right. Now, at your table, there should be a one sheet of paper that says table leader's guide. Somebody pick that up. And for the time being, for the first few seconds, you are that table leader. It's very simple. Here's what you do. There are. That's all right. You may get to switch here in a minute, but here's what you do. Listen to me. There are four questions. Would you rather? Now, we have this on version, but for some reason, the Bible app that we always use, it is down today. And normally, we're going to do some poll things in the future where you can take notes on your, um, on your smartphones. If you have the Bible app, you can do this. If you have a smartphone, that's the only way you can do it. You go to uversion.com. You can download it. And then we'll teach you in the future how to get onto this. But it's down right now, so it doesn't even matter. And we can do some poll questions when you see the live results up here. Not going to happen today, but you know, if you check and, and, and it comes up, wave at us and we'll tell people that they can go there. All right. So table leader, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask the question. There's four would you rather questions. Would you rather? And you ask the question, poll your table and then have them vote. And I want you to write down the results of your table. How many voted one way? How many voted the other way? Do all four questions, give everybody a chance to answer, and then we'll see how our church, how that how weird we are. Go. Some of you are faster than others. Y'all done? Give you about 10 seconds. I should I should not let Steve be the leader over here. I think y'all are still in question one. Arrogant, I think is... Five, four, three, two, one. You just got to vote on what you got. All right. Let me just see. Now, based on what what your answers are, give me the majority of your table. Question number one. Would you rather be rich or famous? How many of you said rich? Well, hang on, hang on. Just the leader of the table. Tell me if your table, the majority said rich. 
How many of you said, are there any that the majority weren't rich? Well, if you're even, okay, let me just ask this way. How many of you would rather be famous? Let me, everybody raise your hand if you would rather be famous. All right. Interesting. Second question from table leaders. Would you rather have your friends think you're arrogant, stuck on yourself? How many see that? There actually were some. All right. Or a wimp. Okay, men, I got to ask you this because Janie and I had this discussion last night. That's a tough one, right? Because you don't want to be thought of as a wimp, right? Because Janie was like, oh, easy. I'd much rather be a wimp than than be arrogant. And I'm like, dude, I don't know because I don't want to be a wimp, you know. Number three, would you rather steal from an old lady? How many of you would rather steal from an old lady? I don't think anybody's going to admit that, are you? Oh, yeah. Were there really so? <laughs> Conditional. You start to see how the enemy infiltrates our minds. If she didn't know about it, I'd rather steal. Because everybody's going to know at the funeral. Is that what you're thinking? All right. How many of you would rather laugh out loud at a funeral? All right. It would be embarrassing, but I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think I couldn't do it if I if she didn't know about it, Rachel. I'm related to that young lady. Number four, would you rather be president of the United States? How many of you said that? Or be the world's richest person? That's 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 an interesting thing. All right. Now, here's here's what we're going to do. I'm going to count down from three, two, one, and then I'm going to say the word point. All right. What you're going to do at your table is you are going to elect a table leader for the rest of today. And it's going to be done by pointing. Ready? It's real simple. Three, two, one, point at who you think should be the leader. (laughs) Count them up. Count them up. And that's who the leader is. The majority rules in this one. All right. And once the majority has spoken, it is final. So let it be written, so let it be done. How many of y'all recognize that, that quote? Okay, all right. Now, up here, let's go through a couple of things. The reason we're doing this series around tables is because different people learn in different ways. And if you will study the life of Jesus, you'll find out that Jesus taught in a huge variety of methods because he wanted to get through to all kinds of people. We know that Jesus taught to at least 5,000 at one time. But even in that setting, he had them broken down into smaller groups and he fed them, fed the 5,000. But then he also taught them a lesson about he's the bread of life. So we know he taught to big groups, but even in that, that setting, he broke them down into smaller groups and he made application of the story that he was telling. Um, there were times when he would teach only his 12 disciples, only the followers. One of the ones that comes to mind is when they were in the boat crossing the Sea of Galilee and Jesus falls asleep in the boat and his, his followers think they're going to die. I mean, you're with the Son of God and he can do anything. And they said, oh, Jesus, we're going to drown. Jesus wakes up and he says, peace be still. And the water was calm and the disciples never forgot. They said, who is this man who can even calm the waves and the sea and the wind? But he also taught even to one-on-one groups or maybe even two or three. The woman at the well. The disciples had gone into town to uh, get some bread, some things to eat. And the woman at the well comes out. And one-on-one, Jesus breaks all kinds of social barriers so that he can teach this woman. And a whole city came to know Christ because this outcast woman had one-on-one time with Jesus. And she was forever changed. But there were also times that Jesus talked to two or three. And he taught them. Remember when he took Peter and James and John, three of his followers. He didn't let the rest of them go up on this mountain. And he said, some of you are going to see the kingdom of God. And he took three of them, only three, up to the top of the mountain. They got to see Jesus changed into his glorified body right there before their eyes. And he taught only the three. So Jesus taught in all of these different methods. 
Now, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus also says there are five reasons why you are alive. He created you to live out five purposes. This church is built on those five purposes. And if you're not living out these five purposes, then, then I think your life is not totally fulfilled. And here they are. If you want to jot these down, they're not on your listening guide, but it's worship. The first reason you were created was to worship God. Jesus told his, his followers, worship God and serve him only. He told Satan, worship God and serve him only. The reason many of you burn out in, in trying to serve God is because you get it backwards. You try to serve God and later you try to worship. All of your power to serve God, to live this life, comes from worship. Evangelism is telling other people about Christ. That's just a big uh, word that, that means telling others or sharing the good news about Jesus. That's the second reason you were put on this planet. The one thing you cannot do in heaven is tell others about Jesus because everybody in heaven's already going to know. You cannot evangelize. So one of the reasons God leaves you on this planet once you come into the family of God is to tell others about that good news. So worship, evangelism, fellowship. You can worship in a crowd, but you cannot fellowship in a crowd. We stood up and we worshiped. And many of you, I watch you when you're singing and, and you get carried away in worship. Some of you raise your hands. Some of you, you know, you're, you're, uh, got a lot of Baptists still in you and, and you got those hands in the pocket and I ain't raising them because you're afraid. And that's okay. That we, we're not making fun of you at all. Others of you, you're kind of wacky, man. And, and I, I start to worry and you're going to fly off or something because you really get into this, this praise and worship. We can worship God in a crowd. But you cannot fellowship in a crowd. And so what we're doing today is we did big group dynamics where we worshiped. We're going to do small group dynamics around the table where you get to fellowship. And, and if, you'll, if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, you may make some lifelong friends today. And you may learn some things around this table that you would not have learned any other way. So we're, we're, we're doing that. We're doing all of these five purposes, but we're really focusing on fellowship. Uh, worship, evangelism, fellowship, discipleship. Discipleship is more than reading the Bible. It's more than hearing the, the Bible read to you. Discipleship is when you dig into the scriptures and you find out the cultural context. You find out um, what's going on in the lives of the people who wrote the, the Bible, the lives of the people who are reading the Bible. And then we discover the timeless truth because there's some cultural things that we do not relate to, but there's some timeless truths that God uh, wants us to get. And that's when discipleship happens, when you dig and, and you find those, those timeless truths and then then you apply them to your lives. The Bible says we're not supposed to be hearers of the word. We're supposed to be doers. And so discipleship is about applying God's word to your life. And you find out he's always right. His word always works. His way always works. And then the last thing is ministry. Worship, evangelism, fellowship, discipleship, ministry. That's serving others. And so we're going to try to accomplish all five of those things in the weeks ahead. We're going we're to focus on all five purposes. Now, I've got an assignment for you. We're going to talk more about that. If you stay at 101 today, you're going to learn more about those five purposes. But here's, here's what I want you to do. Table leader, here's your assignment. There are 11 major systems in the Bible, there, uh, in, the Bible in the body. There's a, a blank sheet of paper on your table there. Table leader, get the blank sheet of paper. You're going to write these down. I'm going to give you 60 seconds, and I want you to list as many of these systems. I'm going to give you the first one. Respiratory system. If you miss that one, you lose. All right? Now, ready? I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Try to come up with as many of the 11 as you can. Ready, set, go.
Everybody's looking for nursing students, medical people. All right, time. How many did you get? Seven? Anybody get more than seven? Nine? Eight? Eight? All right, let's see what you got. Here they are. Circulatory. Digestive. Endocrine. That's your skin. Immune system. Lymphatic. Muscular. Nervous. Reproductive. Respiratory. Skeletal. And urinary. Now... Here's the point. You can discuss how you didn't remember those later. Here's the point. If any one of those 11 systems in your body is broken down, does it affect the other 10 systems? Yes. You are diseased. You have a disease. Here's the thing I want you to get. If you are not experiencing all five of the reasons God put you on the planet, worship, worship, evangelism, fellowship, discipleship, and ministry then you are not experiencing all that God created you for. And I think a lot of you are missing out in the fellowship area. And so that's why we're doing this. We're going to give you opportunities to fellowship in the weeks ahead, and we're praying that this will change your life forever. Now what we're going to do is we're going to watch... Um, a video where there is a perspective of the younger son. And when we come back from this video, I'm going to teach you just a little bit. um, And then you're going to do some uh, questions around the table. So watch this and pay attention. I want you to notice the characteristics of the younger son. In chapter 15 of Luke 1, Jesus became increasingly popular The scriptures tell us with notorious sinners, with tax collectors and other social outcasts. And the Pharisees and the religious scholars, they noticed this. And they came to him and said, this man, he he welcomes immoral people. I wonder if you remember the last time that you were around scandalous people. People that others uh, wouldn't want to touch or be present with. I, I think good Christians should follow the way of Christ. That what Jesus was talking about here weren't bad people. They were people that needed to be found. So Jesus explains his friendship, his shared meals with brothers and sisters that they would have nothing to do with in the rest of this passage. And he tells them a story, a parable. Heed me well, know my journey, and never forget that I am the younger son. Restless I am and most ready for the world. I have a spirit that that craves adventure. Not that many days ago, I was out in the fields that my father owns. My father owns many fields and vineyards, and I was out there with my brother and all the other hired hands, tilling the soil, pruning the vines, gathering the fruit. It was the same thing day in and day out, and I hated it. I mean, we lived in the middle of nowhere. There's no cool places for me to go, no friends my age, no young maidens for me to dazzle with my charms. I was dying inside. I needed something new. Now I heard about the cities of the world from the men that did business with my father. And I thought those would be the kind of places to quench my restless spirit. So I did the most cocky thing I have ever done in my entire life. I asked my father for my share of the inheritance. 
all the cash I'd get when he was dead. If I only knew how that was going to hurt my father, but I was hurting inside. And I was leaving at any cost. And there he sat, behind his wooden desk. The holy book opened before him, and many other books spread around it like precious gems. He looked up at me. Just wanted him to hold me, you know. Tell me it was going to be okay, you know. Said, come on, Father. Come on. Can't you see that I'm ready? I'm... I am ready to make a life for myself. Like, I want your cash and your blessing. Listen, if you don't give them to me, I'm leaving anyway. I looked down. I looked down at his worn hands. And it seemed like, <laughs> it seemed like eternity passed before he looked up again. When he looked up at me, there were tears in his deep-set eyes. He tried to speak. No words came out, but then he said these words to me. He said, my son, I've always tried my best for you. But if you must be leaving home, then go with the blessing of God. And I was gone. <laughs> friend on the train right out of town he told me tales of the cities he's been to parties he was at women he had innocently i said hey man isn't that sinful and he said something to me i will never forget he said how can something that feels so good be sinful well not that many days later we were well on our way first class is a wonderful place to live we stayed at the best hotels, went to the finest restaurants, the coolest clubs. I had a different woman on my arm and in my bed every night. Got real familiar with things like fine wines, aged scotch, and a few other things you may or may not have heard of. Days turned to weeks, weeks turned to months, and months turned to years. My father gave me a lot. I lived a life of excess. I lived it like a king. Until one day, when I woke up on the sewer grate, and the reality of my life came crashing in on me like a battering ram, I was hungover strung out and I was needing a fix fell down behind some dumpster lay there for days weeks I don't know how long when I came to my body was screaming trying to find some employment but nobody would give me nothing ragged and homeless Oh, I found a job feeding pigs on a slaughterhouse. Fantastic. 
Well, let me tell you, screaming pigs gets you to thinking. And pretty soon, man, I was thinking of home. Look at this. I mean, fathers, workers were better fed. If I had, if I had half of what they had, I would, I would need nothing more. So I left and I prayed that I had a home. Well, I begged, borrowed, stole, sold myself to get home. The closer I got to my father's house, the worse it got. All my guilt, shame, fear, humiliation for what I had done to my father, what I had done to myself. Pounded me like hard rain, and I was about to go and turn around and go in the other direction when I looked up. There was my father. His jaw it dropped. Did I go what he was doing? <laughs> Stood to his feet. And then he began to run to me, arms wide open. This old man running. And when he got to me, he fell at my feet and he cried and he cried. And I said, hey, Father, listen, I've sinned against heaven and against you and I'm not worthy. And then he stopped me. He actually stopped me. And then he stood to his feet, grasped me by the shoulders He just looked at me for a long time. And then he took his strong arms. Wrapped them around me and held me fast. And I fought him for a long time. But then I gave in. I gave in to my father's embrace and all my guilt, shame, fear, humiliation for what I'd done. It just melted away. For the first time in my life, I felt free. Heed me well. Know my journey. Never forget, I'm the younger son. You and I are both a lot like the younger son, the lost son, the prodigal son. You may not have squandered your family's riches in distant lands, but we made big and significant mistakes that essentially say to the father, I want your blessings, but I reject your way of life. I often wonder how the lost son lived after his return. He came back to a, a place that he didn't deserve. He was given clothes and shoes and a ring that he knew he didn't earn. He knew he'd squandered the family's wealth. And I wondered how he spoke to the servants and how he related to his father and even to his older brother who wasn't so thrilled that he was welcomed home. My guess is that he lived with a new kind of humility and a new kind of grace that we all need. Some of you have been told stories about a different kind of God, a God that um, when you sin and you fail, He's there to punish you for your failures. I hope you hear the words of Jesus. 
that the Father is all-loving and all-forgiving. And as you come home, as you repent of your sins, you're welcomed back in and you're thrown a massive party. For many of you, you're not participating in the party, not because um, God isn't ready to welcome you back, because you've chosen not to enter in to your own celebration. I pray that today as we dialogue and we discourse about true forgiveness, that we're all ready to enter into the feast and celebrate the fact that grace has come to us. It's free, but it was costly. And so it gives us a great deal to celebrate. The truth is that um, the son wasn't welcomed back into a place of honor because he'd done the right thing or because he'd done good things. He'd been welcomed back in because of the grace and the love of the Father. It's no different for us. We've been given salvation and grace, not because we deserve it, but because of the nature of a loving and a forgiving God. I pray you receive it well today. I pray you live in it. It changes the perspective of everything we see and everything we do. All right, table leaders, do questions one through five. We're going to have to fly through these pretty quickly, but take off. All right, I hate to cut you off. We've got to move on. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories back to back to back, and they all have to do with something that's lost. And they're all um, about an attitude towards things being lost. And the last of the three parables is this one that we looked at today called the, the lost son. Now, in Middle Eastern time, you have to understand that the family unit was everything. There was no such concept that we have, like in America, of the individual, that we, we do everything for freedom and individuality. Back then, everything was about the family. And so this, this story involves a father and two sons, and it's about the breakdown of a family. It's about the breakdown of, uh, of a community. And Jesus told, uh, he said about Satan's kingdom, a house divided cannot stand, but you can also apply that to your home, to your church. Any house divided will not stand. They'll be fighting and it will fall apart. All right, Luke 15, 1 to 2. Let's open up the, the scripture and let's see what this says to us. Tax collectors and sinners were all crowding around to listen to Jesus. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law of Moses started grumbling. This man is friendly with sinners. He even eats with them. All right, this is on your listening guide. In verse 1, who was crowding around Jesus? Sinners and tax collectors. Those were lower than sinners in their eyes. So what we're going to say for our purposes is, Jesus was popular with the irreligious. In verse 2, who started grumbling? Pharisees and the teachers of the law. So for our purposes, we're going to say that Jesus was unpopular with the religious. And the religious people, what was their big complaint? He's hanging out with scandalous people. I like what Chris C. said. When's the last time you were around scandalous people? And, and honestly, I don't mean this as any disrespect. I mean this as the highest compliment. I tell people every Sunday I hang out with scandalous people at New Life. You know, we're just real about it. And, and that's, I've always wanted to be in a church like what we're doing. So what, what their complaint was is Jesus is a friend of sinners. When's the last time that that was thrown at you, that you're a friend of sinners? So in response to this hypocritical attitude, Jesus tells a story about a lost sheep, a, la a lost coin, and a lost son. And, and this last one we call the prodigal son. You've got to understand what prodigal means if you're going to apply it to your life. Prodigal means wastefully or recklessly 
extravagant. And honestly, that could apply to any one of us because we live in the United States. If you don't believe that we're wastefully and recklessly extravagant, go with me to Haiti this summer. And you'll come back going, we are so rich and so extravagant. Now, remember that definition as we read the next part of the story. This is Luke 15, 12 through 15. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you, you die. We did the, the, I forgot the commercial. It's my money and I want it now. What is it? Wentworth, yeah. Sorry to say A.G. Edwards. I guess that would apply there too, but uh, that's not their commercial. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. To ask a father for your inheritance before he died was a huge disgrace. It was like saying, I wish you were dead. I don't need you. Give me my money now. The oldest son would have received twice as much, and and then everybody else split the rest of it. So in this case, the oldest son would have gotten two-thirds of the estate. The youngest son would have gotten a third. So the father, they didn't have cash lying around. They didn't have stocks and bonds. It was all in land and livestock, things like that. He would have had to have liquidated one-third of his estate. And in this society, it would have been a slap in the face of the father. It would have been a disgrace for him to go sell off all of this stuff so he could pay off a selfish younger son. So this begs the question, why did he do it? This is number four. Why did the father grant his son's request? His job was to love, not control. And the younger son thought he could do a better job than the older, than the father could with uh, managing his estate. How did he do? He failed miserably. All right. Table leaders. For sake of time, you be the one that reads the scripture. It says, have somebody read it. You go ahead and read the scripture. It's on your, your deal there and go through the next few questions. All right, I got to cut you off. Let me just say that you guys are awesome and that we will leave more time for discussion in the next couple of weeks. Um, But this story was a scandalous story for a Middle Eastern father to bring back a disrespectful son, for a Middle Eastern father to run. That was unheard of. A respected man, a highly wealthy man would never run in that society. And to welcome back this dishonoring son would be something that would never happen in that society. And yet Jesus tells the story of the father running and embracing his son. You see, every one of us here has been the younger son. Because the Bible says that we sin and we leave the father. Sin means to miss the mark. If you think of a, of a uh, dartboard and the bullseye. And, and it's cool to hit the bullseye, right? But does anybody hit the bullseye every time? No. If in your lifetime you miss the bullseye one time, it means you've sinned and you have left the Father. And and you'll be punished if you do not accept Jesus Christ's sacrifice on your behalf. And so the what you've got to do, I love there's two things that were on the video that I really liked. My favorite line was, I gave in to the embrace of my father. And then when Chris C. says, many of you are not entering into your celebration. The Bible says that when one person enters into the kingdom of God, there's this huge celebration in heaven. Many of you are refusing to enter into the celebration. Not because your way hasn't been paid, but because you've not given into the embrace of your father. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad you think you are, Jesus Christ died so that you could enter in. 
Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Some of you need to enter into the kingdom of God today. And it's a simple process, but some of you are going to resist it. The Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Here's how we say it here. You pray and you say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've missed the mark. I need your forgiveness and I need you to save me. It's that simple. God, I know I'm a sinner. I've missed the mark. Please forgive me and please save me. Bible says when you pray that prayer, if you mean it from your heart, then you have just entered into the family of God and there is a celebration like you cannot imagine going on in heaven. God accepts you right where you are, but he wants to change you. And so maybe today is a first step for some of you. As you give your heart back to the Father, as you give in to the embrace of a God who would rather die for you than live without you. Father, it's my prayer that you'll change destinies today and you'll change the trajectory of New Life Community Church because maybe a few hearts have connected and will never be the same. We'll pray this in your name. Amen. Take your registration cards, fill those out. And on the back, some of you have been religious. If you've been religious and and counting on religion to get you to heaven, write that down. I've been religious. Some of you are irreligious and proud of it. You can put that down there. That's okay that you're irreligious. Don't stay that way. Because God wants to have this relationship with you and help you grow. And so if you need help growing, let us know. What you did today was small groups. This is a larger scale of what we do on Sunday nights. And we're learning how to pray. If you want to join us tonight, you, it's not too late. Five o'clock to seven. Um, in the weeks ahead, we're going we're gonna to finish this series. We're going to go into a marriage series called Marriage for Dummies. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. I'm going to show some videos, got some ideas for that. We're going to start a small group on Sunday nights that's about marriage. And so if, if you are thinking of getting married, if you've ever been married, if you'll ever be married again, if you know someone who's married, if you've heard of someone who's married, this series is for you on, on Sunday nights. So we want you to come and join us. At the end of that series, we're going to do a, a Haiti fundraiser, but it's going to be a blast. We had not done one of these in about six or seven years. We're going to do a second chance prom. Where and, and we're going to bring the tables in, we're going to decorate this, and we're going to have a dance out there. And so it'll be so much per individual or per, per couple. We're going to dress up, we'll have the pictures, we'll do great food and dancing. Um, that's going to be when we get into May, and so we'll tell you more about that. So uh, we want you to come and join us.